We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Um, but God is good. I, uh, you might notice that uh, Tina's not here with us today. Her mother had, uh, celebrated her 70th birthday, and so she spent, stayed and spent a few more days with Mama, and uh, she don't get to see them very often. So me and the kids went down, we came back, but she's still uh, presently in South Georgia and uh, said to tell all of her uh, forever family she misses y'all this morning. And uh, uh, I miss her this morning. She's uh, an important part of what I do in this church, and I would not want to do it without her. I would not want to attempt it without her. And uh, I thank I thank God for, for my wife. I thank God that she is a part of this ministry in a great way. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus, uh, the 32nd chapter. And we're going to look into the 32nd chapter and 33rd chapter today. And we're going to continue our series on miracles. And we're going to talk about his acts or his ways. What are, what are we after? His acts or his ways? Um, and uh, it is easy for us to, to pursue God for the miracle, but it is what do we really want out of that? What is God's purpose in miracles? Some, you know, I know he wants to bless his children. I know he wants to do good things, to you know, for his children. But we're going to go into a little more detail this morning on 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 his acts or his ways. What do you want? What are you looking for? Uh, the last several weeks, we've been speaking about miracles. We've been looking into those, and we've talked about the different types of miracles out of the Old Testament, some out of the New Testament. But today, I want to share with you something that I believe is really important, and, and it, it, it's, uh, it's found in Exodus 32 and then leads into Exodus 33, and it's a very familiar story if you've been brought up in children's church or around the Bible, uh, one we like to share a lot, and it's the story of, of Moses receives the law in Exodus 31 and 32, and then in Ex and, and while he's receiving the law, some certain things are going on in his absence, and we're going to talk about those. I feel like that we live in a generation that misunderstands the concept of relationship because, uh, and it's nothing new because in Exodus, uh, and by the way, that's one of my favorite books of the Old Testament uh, is Exodus. Uh, I believe that there is so much to be revealed about our relationship between uh, us and God because we see it reflected in Israel and God. And so where he's dealing with a nation in Exodus and the New Testament, he's dealing with the individual, the heart, or he's also dealing with the body of Christ or the church. And so I want us to look into this because I think it's very important. His ways or his acts. Do you want his miracles or do you want him is what it boils down to. What, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a miracle right now in your life or would you rather have him? And, and I know that the right answer is I want him. We all could probably, uh, uh, you know, would say that. But the question is, does our actions back up our claims? Do, do we really want him or do we want him till we get what we need from him and then we're done. And I, I meet people all the time who they want God, but they're wanting something from God. They're not necessarily wanting God. Um, you know, uh, I, as a matter of fact, if we're not careful, it can be destructive to us. I just want to give some uh, some foundation here. Psalms 103.7 says, And he made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. There's a distinction there. He says he made known his ways to Moses, his servant, the one he had 
had a relationship, but he made his acts, his miracles known unto Israel. Israel did not, they failed to have a relationship with him, and, and they didn't want that relationship. And they're very clear uh, that they didn't want that relationship, but they were all about the miracles or the acts of God. But they were, they, when it came to, to wanting him in their life, there was, there, it, it reveals to the character of Moses versus the character of the people of Israel. Exodus 32 shares with us a story of Israel waiting on God to move. Moses has went to the mountain to receive the law of God. In Exodus 31, 17 and 18, uh, verses 17 and 18 ends by saying this, It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave, Moses, uh, and he gave to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on the Mount of Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, or the, new, the, the, the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, tables of stone written with the finger of God. I want you, man, that's, I, I don't know if we catch the significance of that. Why, what a powerful, written with the finger of God. God says, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to tell you and let you write it down, Moses. I'm going to write it with my own finger into these tables of stone so that you can know and they can know that I am God. I am God, all right? Out of, uh, out, of, uh, out of sight, out of mind kind of takes place in the next 14 verses of chapter 32. Chapter 31 ends with God saying, I've made a covenant with them. I'm making a promise to them. And, and, and it's, you know, it's smiles and giggles as far as I'm concerned. I'm writing my law, and they're, you know, they'll be to me a people. I'll be to them a God. And then in Exodus 32, verses 1 through 14, we have a uh, kind of this concept of out of sight, out of mind as far as the children of Israel go. When the people saw, verse 1, uh, uh, or, or, or verse uh, 1 through 14, if you're reading with me, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, up, uh, up, make, uh, up and make us a God who shall go before us. As, as, as for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened or what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, "Take off your rings of gold and uh, and your and your and uh, that are in your ears and uh, of your wives and your sons and your daughters and bring them to me." So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hands and fashioned it with a, uh, fashioned it with graven tools and made uh, to them a uh, made to them a golden calf. And they said, "These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of." Egypt. When Aaron uh, saw this, he built an altar before it, and uh, before it, and Aaron made uh, a proclamation and said, "Tomorrow shall uh, shall be a feast to the Lord." And and they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and and the people sat down to eat, drink, rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down toward the people, for your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. And they, have, they made for themselves a golden calf and have worshiped it and sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is stiff, uh, stiff necked people. Now therefore, 
let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation of you. But Moses implored, to, uh, implored of the Lord uh, his God and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of, uh, land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say with evil intent, did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and, as the, and, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken to bring against his people. Now, what we see here is in these, in these uh, few verses is, is, is just amazing to me because it reveals the character of God and it also reveals the character of Moses. Uh, we, we, in other words, Moses got to actually know God himself. He had a relationship with God where the children of Israel, were, as I shared with you last week, they were good with Moses being the go-between. God spoke to them from out of the mountain, terrified them to death, and they said, we don't want him speaking to us anymore. Moses, from now on, you go listen to him and then you tell us what he said because we don't think we can bear listening to his voice any longer. What they were saying is, we don't want a personal relationship with God. We want you to have the personal relationship with God, but we do want God to hear us, but only through you. I, I, I believe this, is, this summarizes the character of modern Christianity today. We want the blessings of God. We want the miracles of God. We want the signs and the wonders, but we all don't necessarily want the intimacy with God that God is asking us to have. We don't necessarily want to be close to him, but we do want the benefits that he offers. Now, uh, on the other hand, the people of Israel only saw his acts and his deeds. He did that, uh, in other words, what he did, his miracles and his signs. Israel saw the works of God, but Moses saw God. Oh my goodness. The Israel only saw the miracles, but they, they didn't get to see God. They did not get to visit with God in intimacy on the mountain. God does not want to be a God of distance, but he wants to be a God that is close to us. He wants to have that relationship with us. And if we're not careful, we'll allow others to do our praying for us. We'll allow others to study the Bible for us. We'll allow others to enter into the Holy of Holies and worship God in intimacy. And we'll be content with warming from, the, from a distance. Warming from a distance and celebrating from a distance. The devil can delay. Uh, I can, the devil can be in the delay. The very first part of this chapter begins by saying, and the people got upset. They, got, they, they began to wonder. Their minds began to wonder why. Because Moses was delayed. Moses was on the mountain far longer than they thought he should be on the mountain. In, in, in other words, because he had delayed, because uh, verse, verse 1 says, and the people saw Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the, the devil can be in the waiting. 
waiting. The devil can come at us when we're waiting on the miracle. The devil comes the strongest, strongest against us where really when we're at the brink of seeing the deliverance or, or, or hearing from God the way we long to hear from God. There's a lot of people today that don't realize that, and they give up at the brink of receiving a great visitation of God. They give up at the, at the moment of receiving something wonderful from God. I would hate to know one day I get to heaven and the Lord said, you know, if you just prayed one more day, if you'd have just held on for one more day and not given up, I had, a, I had everything and more coming your way. If you'd have just kept on and been faithful to me. Between the time that you were praying and waiting on God, the, uh, God's miracle can be one of the most vulnerable times in your relationship with God. It was for the children of Israel, and it was for it is for us today. Between that waiting can be a terrible thing. It can be an awful process where, because we know that God can do it. We prayed about it. We fasted about it. Now we're in that waiting period, and if we're not careful, the devil will come at us in a very diff, a, a very real way during the waiting. The children, uh, 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 the children of Israel found themselves turning to the world in the moment of waiting. I want you to think about that. Here's Moses on the mountain having a visitation with God, seeing the finger of God, write the laws of God in tables of stone. God is promising his covenant. He's doing exactly what Israel said they wanted. He's going up and hearing from God, getting ready to come back and tell them what God has said. But instead, they, because there was a delay, they turned to their own ways. They turned to their own way of doing things, and they said, you know what? God didn't bring us out in the first place. Let's, let's make a God, and we'll tell everybody this is the gods that brought us out of Egypt. And then they went on, and instead of saying God brought them out of Egypt, they said, this man Moses, who is he anyway? Who is he anyway? We don't even know. You know what? God's probably killed him uh, in one particular passage. He's probably, he's probably dead up on that mountain. And, and he had nothing to do with it. He brought us out here to die. So let's make a God that we can see so that we can worship it. And you say, I would never fashion a golden calf. But you know what? I found one of the greatest gods. It's green and it's got the faces of presidents on it. That's one of the greatest gods in our world today. It's green and it's got a president's face on it. One of the other greatest gods is the God of entertainment. I got to entertain myself and we will excuse ourselves from church to entertain ourselves. And what are we saying? You know what? Everybody else go have your visitation with God. I'm content with hearing about it. And if I don't hear it soon enough, before long I'm worshiping something in my life. And you were created to worship something. And you will find something to worship in your life. And you may never bow down to it, but in your heart you have. I'm telling you, God is a jealous God, and he wants to move among us. But if we're not careful, we'll worship the miracles and not the miracle giver. After they had seen God do, uh, uh, God do, I want you to think about this. What had they seen God do up until this point? They had seen the plagues of Egypt uh, uh, delivered upon Egypt. They had seen God's power and God's spirit turn the river into blood. They had seen flies and, and, and lice invade the children of, uh, 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 of Egypt and not touch them. They had seen sores and bulls brought upon the children of Egypt, but not them. They had witnessed the death angel pass over and it killed the firstborn of every Egyptian home, but it didn't kill them. They, they leave Egypt without an arrow being fired at them. And, and they, they not only get to leave Egypt, they got to leave Egypt with all their possessions. 
They leave Egypt. They get to a place where uh, they have nowhere to go. Mountains on one side, Pharaoh's army pressing on another, and the Red Sea in front of them. They watch the sea part, and they go over on dry ground. They saw all of this prior to this moment where they turned their back on God. They saw water from the rock. They ate manna from heaven every morning. They saw miracle after miracle. They were not deprived of miracles. They were not deprived of wonders and signs. But the one thing that they deprived themselves was an intimate relationship with the one who was doing the miracles. And he longed to have a relationship with them. He longs to have a relationship with you and I. But if we're not careful, we will want the miracles but not want him. We'll want him to move in our lives and rescue us from everything. But once we're safe and sound and rescued, we'll fashion a golden calf in our life and God will be an afterthought. Seeing miracles does not assure you of your relationship with God. And it does not speak good of your relationship with God. It speaks good of God. I think there's a lot of people that think just because they see miracles or they see wonders or they see God do a, a bless them, that because I'm blessed, I must be in good standing with God. The children of Israel were the most blessed people upon the face of the earth, and God was ready to disinherit them. He was angry. He was upset because the moment there was a delay in what they felt like should have been an instantaneous move. Come on. All of a sudden, they turned their backs, and they're worshiping something else. You know what? I tried, God, and it didn't didn't work for me. Have you ever heard that one? I hear it a lot. You know what? I, I, I've, I, I've went to church and it just didn't work out for me. I've tried that Jesus stuff before. I've heard someone so said that to me in just the past week, but I want you to understand, I'm not asking you this morning to try church. I'm not asking you this morning to have another name branded on you. Uh, look, I am, I am thankful for our church, but God is not needing more members of Harvest. He's needing people that will come into a relationship with him. And if you can do that here, that's great, but you need to do it somewhere. Find a relationship with your God. If church shut down tomorrow, and we should know that very realistically, do I have what it takes to have a relationship with him outside of having church? Amen. And then you hear someone say, well, I can have church in, 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 at home. I can have church online. And, 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 and I, I'm thankful for those that have no other alternative that they are provided that. But I'm telling you, it's hard to experience community on your sofa. It's, it's, it, there is no substitute. And I, I do this. I, I remember watching the broadcast with my family at home, and it was a great intimate time and all that good stuff. But you know what? There was no substitute for getting into a building full of people worshiping God. There's some power in that. There's some strength in that when I look over and somebody else is worshiping God with me. There is strength in that. As a matter of fact, I think that's something that a lot of people have forgotten today. Seeing miracles speaks well of God. You can see miracles and turn your back on God in a second, just like the children of Israel. Exodus 32, verses 5 through 6 says, And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, uh, before it, talking about the golden calf. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And he says, uh, and they rose up. And he wasn't talking about the Lord God. He was talking about the Lord, the golden calf. He said, and they rose up early the next day. Oh, my goodness. Some people can't get up early for church. See, I can't preach this. I'll get them in the next service. 
because you got up early. Some people can't get up early to be in church, but they can get up early to go anywhere else. I'm not against you going anywhere else. I'm just saying when it comes to the Lord's Day, why don't we put God first and see what might happen in our lives? Amen. There's something powerful about. It. I just don't have time to pray. And I, don't, I you know what? Uh, uh, someone shared with me said they're fast this this during August. By the way, somebody said uh, I was going to do communion today, but I've decided. Hey, wait a minute. If we're going to do something, let's complete it. Guess where the, the the last day of the month is? It's on a Wednesday. So Wednesday we're going to have communion before we break into our time uh, of class. We're going to have communion, and if communion takes over, that's all right. Is it not all right? Amen. But we're going to have communion, and we're going to end our fast with communion. Why? Because I haven't broke a fast yet without doing it with the Lord's Supper. Why? Because I don't want just to fast and seek for miracles, but miss that intimate moment on the mountain where God says, come on, let me seal the deal with you. You come closer to me. Remember me. That's what he said through communion. So don't lay out Wednesday just because we're having communion. Come be present with God and in his presence. Aaron should have known better before anyone else. I want you to think about that. Aaron had stood beside Moses when the staff became a serpent. He threw it down, as a matter of fact, if you read the story. It was through Aaron that Moses spoke. Aaron should have known better than anyone, but now Aaron is leading the worship time to the golden calf says, tomorrow, we're going to have a great feast to this calf, this God. And the Bible says they rose up early, and they, play, they feasted, they sacrificed, and they rose up to play. They partied. Whew. This must have been so repulsive to God. He was talking to Moses, but he was not distracted by that conversation of what was going on at the bottom of the mountain. What are you saying, Pastor? I've got news for you. God is not distracted when it comes to our lives. He knows what's going on. God is not distracted just because God does not just see you when you're here at church. He sees you all the time and knows where you're at all the time and knows where your heart is all the time and knows what you're doing all the time. Well, you mean he's that involved in my life? He is that involved in your life because he loves you. How many of you parents have adult children? I'm not talking about young adult children, but adult children, grown adult children. Some, how many of you got married kids? Okay, you got married kids. Um, do you still want to be involved in their life or do you not care anymore? Okay. Till the day I die or day mama dies, mama will always call and be mama. She will always call me and say, are you home yet? I know y'all are on the road. This was yesterday. Mom, I'm in Adairsville. Well, I was timing it. I said, you should be close. Tina had about a softball-sized rock hit her windshield and uh, going into Brunswick. And I thank God because I, the, I was in the truck and the kids were riding with her. And I, I thank God because it came on Paige's side and it didn't come all the way through. It almost did. I mean, it, it was, it's, it, it's quite a, a, a thing to see, but that rock hit, and so mom knew about it, and all of a sudden mom goes back to my childhood, and she said, you remember when somebody shot that BB gun, and you were sitting between me and your daddy? You were little, 
That thing could have put your eye out. That thing could have killed you. And Paige is trying, she's on speaker, and Paige is laughing. I was like, you better not. Grandma hears you, she's going to get you. You will always want to be involved in your children's life. You will always keep an eye on their life because you love them. You're invested in them. Guess what? Your God is your creator, and he will always keep an eye on your life. And he will always, he's not, and, and again, it's not out to destroy you. He's not waiting on you to mess up. What he's waiting on you to do is have that relationship with him. And if you don't know what that's like today, what I'm going to tell you is simply this. Would you rather have him or do you just want a bunch of miracles in your life? Because you can see miracles and lose out with God. And that is what happened with the children of Israel. This entire generation would die in the wilderness. This entire generation would perish. Not now. It could have happened then because God was ready to take them out right then. I want you to understand God was ready to rewrite his story right then. He said, I'm not only going to take them out. He said, now leave me alone, Moses, because I want to. my anger's burning hot against them. I will come and consume them. There won't be one of them left except for you, and I'll take you, and I'll make a great nation of you. So it wouldn't be the children of, of, of Abraham anymore. It'd be the children of Moses. I want you to think about that. And God says, I'll do that. And Moses steps in and says, wait a minute. First of all, I am not taking responsibility for these people. They're not my people. They're your people. Get the language through this. God says, they're yours. I'm done with them. And Moses steps in and says, no, I don't want a nation of me. I want you to remember the promise you made to Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. I want you to remember what you spoke. I want you to remember these are your people. And though they have turned their back on you, they're still your people. So I'm asking you to relent on your anger. I'm asking you to turn back. I know they're stiff-necked. Stiff-necked means they were unable to budge. They had their heads head straight forward. They were stubborn. You mean ever dealt with a stubborn person? Don't point. Some of y'all was pointing, at least in your heart. You ever dealt with someone stubborn? I'm not talking about somebody that you just got to do a little persuading they come around. I'm talking about somebody when they say this is no, they ain't moving. Stubborn. The Greek word for stubborn is knucklehead. No, it ain't. That's the Hebrew word. I'm just joking. You ever dealt with somebody that stubborn? He says to them, these are a stiff-necked people. They are determined to do their own thing. They're set in their own ways. And because they're set in their own ways, I'm done with them. Moses steps in and says, no, you can't be done. You need to intercede. You say, yeah, Phil, but you don't understand. We don't have a Moses. You're right. But we got a Jesus who is ever at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I. He's stepping in in my stubbornness. And he's saying, wait a minute, Father. He's still your son. Wait a minute, Father, he is still yours. I know he's stiff-necked sometimes. I know he's stubborn, God, but you, you, you know what? I died for him so that he might know you. And you know what the Father says? You're right about that, son. He is my son. 
And I will relent. I will turn away uh, from my anger. And I will love him. And I'll keep on loving him till he realizes the greatest miracle is salvation. But the greater miracle beyond that is that relationship that I have with the Father. And when I live in a relationship with him, I live my day in a miracle every single day. That's why I can go for my morning walk and I feel the presence of God. That's why I can ride down the road and I can feel the presence of God. That's why I can close my at night and feel the presence of God, not because of my goodness and not because of the miracles he's done in my life, but because he has a relationship with me and he wants a relationship with me. He desires a relationship with you. And if you'll come into that, you'll never want anything else. Some of us need to kill some gods in our life that have exalted themselves against him. God does not bless us so that we will have a relationship with him. He blesses us because we have a relationship with him. Won't you think about that? He's not trying to persuade you and buy your love. No, he's not. You know what? You need healing for your body? You know what? Pay more tithes. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. I heard a preacher say that. No, then you, you heard a lie. Doesn't say that in the Bible. If you want, you need God to touch the relationship in your home with your spouse, you know what? Then what you've got to do is you've got to get up at 3 o'clock every morning and pray till 6 o'clock. No, doesn't even say that. What does it say? Come spend time with me. Come spend moments with me. Come spend time with me, and you will see. You see, Israel struggled in their relationship because there's, there's two. In the beginning, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created, and the word in the Hebrew says is Elohim. Elohim means all-powerful, almighty. The word used in theology for describing his creative power is a Latin word called ex nihilo, which means out of nothing he made everything. There was no existing substance. He spoke and it became into being. All right? You say, well, we make kids. Nope. God used your DNA and your spouse's DNA to make your kids. It was still God. Amen. Well, we created a beautiful work of art. No, you didn't. God created all the raw elements to make that. You didn't speak it out of nothing. Michelangelo didn't go into the 16th chapel and say, let there be a beautiful master portrait on the ceiling of this building. No, he worked decades on that. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying he did it out of nowhere. So the children of Israel up to this point only knew the God by the name of Elohim, the almighty, powerful God. You don't mess with him because he can do anything. But when Moses comes off the mountain, he introduces him as Jehovah God, which is the Hebrew term for the God of relationship. In other words, God wants you to have relationship with him. And so then you, you get the different names of God. Same God, but he's called by different names. And, and they came when they were in different crises. So when they needed a victory, all of a sudden he became Jehovah Nisi, the God who reigns in victory. He became Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. 
And the Bible says that all of those became uh, wrapped up in the body of Jesus and he became the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the name above all names. So all these 200 different names that describes who, how God is and the personality of God is wrapped up in one name and that is the name of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, this Jesus calls us into relationship with him and out of that relationship, miracles flow. Miracles flow. I want a miracle. I need a miracle. Call on Jesus. Seek Him and not the miracle. You might be surprised at what happens in your life. Seek Him. I find myself a lot of times praying for the solution instead of praying to the one that I should be praying to. Now, if I'm not careful, I'll make the, the, the solution the, the object of my prayer. Okay? Someone's sick. God, you need to touch the sickness. God, you need to heal the sickness. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. But I, what would happen if I kind of reversed it and said, you know what, today I'm just going to enter into the presence of the one who loves me. And today I'm just going to say, you already know what I have need of. So instead of seeking you for a miracle, I just want more of you. And by more of you, God, great things happen. And whatever your will is, I'm going to be satisfied because I'm going to be satisfied in you. Amen. See, the problem with Israel is the more miracles they received, the thirstier they got for more miracles. Let me give you a fun fact, and then we're going we're going to wrap this up. This generation... God does relent. He does say, okay, I'll forgive them. And they wander 40 more years in the wilderness. They come to the banks of the Jordan River. And once again, God is long-suffering, does it? but it doesn't mean that he, it means he suffers long. It doesn't mean there's not a limit where he's had enough of our attitude. Okay? There is a limit. You say, where is that limit? I don't know. That's God's business, not mine. But with Israel, 40 years of grumbling, complaining, turning their back on him, ready to go back to Egypt, ready to, to, to in a moment to kill Moses. They were ready to, do, you know, they, God had had enough. And what was the severing point? They finally get to their destination and the spies go over and they spy out the land. They return and ten of the spy, or two of the spies give a good report. Joshua and Caleb say, hey, this land is everything God said it was. It is plentiful. It is, there's places to grow crops. We can settle uh, there. It is an awesome land. It is everything and more. But 10 spies speak up and they give an evil report, the Bible says, and they say, this is not what we thought it was. Yes, there is everything that God said, but he didn't tell you about the giants. He didn't tell you about the walled cities. He didn't tell you about the armies ready to destroy us. God played a trick on us. That's what they were, they were alluding to. We have been led here to die by the hands of our enemy. So yeah, God, everything he said is there, but he didn't tell you about the giants. And Josh, or Caleb, the Bible says, stands up and he steals the people and he says, listen, we are well able to take this land. And the voice of God speaks through him. And all of a sudden their anger is kindled towards Joshua and Caleb and they begin to pick up stones and they're going to kill them. God says, I've had it, that's enough. And he brings a curse upon that generation, same generation that he had forgiven how many times? He says, they'll wander in the wilderness and not one of them will set foot in the promised land. It saved Joshua and Caleb and their households. 
That's the only ones. And so they are turned away into the wilderness and they wander in circles, literally, if, you'll, if you follow the, the map. They wander in circles in the wilderness and they all die out, the entire generation. And their children end up 40 years later back at the same place. And this time something miraculous has happened. Something miraculous has happened that all of a sudden the leadership has changed. Moses dies and Joshua takes over, this man of vision, and he says, let's do it. We're going to take the land. But I, if you study the two wilderness wanderings, and this is where I'm going to leave you, the old generation saw more miracles than the younger generation would ever see. Over that 40-year span of wandering in the wilderness, the second time, as that generation died out, the other generation did not witness the miracles that the previous generation witnessed. By, by far, they were about half of the miracles. You see, what God was doing, he says, I'm going to raise a generation up that's not basing their relationship on me with what they get out of it, except I, 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 what, what they see and what they can receive as far as a miracle. I'm going to raise up a generation that has vision for the bigger picture and that we are not, look, God is not into making this life comfortable. He is in looking towards heaven, looking towards our new home, having our eyes focused on the end of the journey. And too many of us were focused on the in-between. But there's going to come a time when we cross over. There's going to come a time, and it can come at any age, folks. There's no limit on that. That's right. Pastor, tell all them old people they better be ready. They're close. I'm telling all of us we better be ready. We're close. And that generation that didn't see the miracles had more faith than the previous generation that had saw all the miracles. And they crossed over. Of course, our Jim shared with you a few weeks ago, their first battle engagement, God took over and walls fell flat. And <laughs> the children of Israel saw victory. God led them. We need God to lead us as a church. But if we're just after the miracles and not God, we're missing. We're missing what he wants. Will you stand? In the following chapter, chapter 33, Verses 13, 15, Moses is having a further conversation with God about the destiny of the people. He says, now therefore I have found favor in your sight. Moses is talking about himself. He says, you favor me. You're ready to make a nation out of me. <laughs> so I, I, I think you like me is what he's saying. I think you favor me. I found favor in your sight. And then he goes on. He says this, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation, your people, there he is. Moses saying, they're not mine, they're yours. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Moses so longed for the presence of God, he was willing to forfeit the promised land. He says, if we can't know your ways, if all we're going to see is miracles, but we're never going to know you, 
then just let us die here. Because I would rather die knowing your ways than to walk through life blessed and miss that relationship. That's what he was saying. Moses was willing to give up everything to have the favor and the presence of God. I hear people say all the time, that story's so sad because Moses never set foot in the promised land. Never got to do that. That's not true. Because one day, this man Jesus decided to go on a journey and he took three of his disciples to the top of a mount. Smack dab in the middle of the promised land. And he was glorified at that point, Stephanie. He began to shine as the sun. And through squinting eyes, the disciples peered through the glory of Jesus. And all of a sudden, they saw two men talking with him. One was Elijah, one of the greatest prophets that's ever been. But the other one was Moses. Right smack dab in the middle of the glory of God. I wonder what would have happened if he had abandoned God and just said, you know what? It's just too hard. It's just too difficult. I am thankful one day that heaven is going to be everything that we read it is. Aren't you thankful for that? That there will be streets of gold, there will be walls of jasper, there will be gates of pearl, there will be a new heaven, but not just a new heaven, there will be a new earth. That's pretty cool. That stuff blows my mind, that we'll, we'll get there and we'll see the apostles. Oh my goodness. We'll get to have a conversation with, with Peter. We'll get to have a conversation with John. and We'll get to have a conversation with Elijah, we'll even get to meet old Mo himself, Moses. Say, what's up, brother? <laughs> I'll get to see my Granny Sutton, who I never met in this life, who died behind a pulpit leading a missionary service one night. Wow, if you got to go. I'll get to see my grandmother, my grandfather. I'll get to see my papa. I'll get to see my father-in-law, who I love dearly. I'll get to see all my loved ones that have went on before me. I want you to think about that day. But more importantly, I get to see Jesus. And through squinted eyes. No, not squinted eyes. I get to stand next to him and behold him. And I have a feeling at that point, Doug, walls of jasper and gates of pearl won't mean nothing anymore. 
I have a, I have a feeling at that point, standing on streets of gold is going to be a, of an importance. It's not going to have any importance to me. I have a feeling that compared to seeing him, even meeting the apostles and the prophets, even getting to see my loved ones is going to pale in comparison. I have a feeling. And I don't know if this will happen, but maybe Jesus will say, Phil, I want to introduce you to someone. Someone who loves you. That loved you so much, he gave me. Let me introduce you, not to my father, but to your father. I want to know his ways. And I am thankful for miracles, and I believe we're going to see them. But I want to know his ways. I want to know him. And this is just going to be a, a different kind of altar call. I want some honesty. Who needs a miracle? Come on, really, you need a miracle. I do. There's several in my family. If you're part of Harvest, your hand ought to be up. We need a big one as a church. You need a miracle. I wonder this morning if we could take that need and lay it aside. And just come meet with him. Because I need a miracle, but I'm going to tell you, I need Jesus more. And if I don't see the miracle, I'd rather have him. So I'm going to ask you to come. Who wants Jesus? Who wants Jesus? You don't have to wait on nobody. You just come. You want Jesus. It's just a simple altar call. Lay aside our, our need for a miracle. Just find him today. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.